At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, it is our privilege to partner with local churches both in the United States and around the world in training men for the gospel ministry. If your church supports CBTS with $200 a month and a commitment to pray for us, any student in your church can attend CBTS tuition-free. To learn more about how you can partner with us in providing informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, visit cbtseminary.org. You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist history with commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist history. We're on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. The oldest original Particular Baptist book I own was printed in 1652 in London. The small book, which is only partially intact, has a title completely out of proportion to its physical size. It's entitled, The Exceeding Riches of Grace, Advanced by the Spirit of Grace in an Empty Nothing Creature, Mistress Sarah White. Lately hopeless and restless, her soul now hopeful and joyful in the Lord that hath caused light to shine out of the darkness, that in and by this earthen vessel holds forth his own eternal love and the glorious grace of Jesus Christ to the chiefest of sinners. The title page then goes on to state the young lady's purpose, quote, who desired that others might hear and know what the Lord had done for her soul that was so terrified day and night and might neither presume nor despair and murmur against God as she hath done. The author or compiler was the young woman's pastor, Henry Jesse. He was the highly respected pastor of a church of nonconformists or independents or congregationalists in London and the third prominent pastor of what is often called the JLJ Church, the final J standing for Henry Jesse. In 1645, he had become convinced of believers' baptism and Hansard Knowles immersed him on June 29, 1645. Shortly before this time, a young girl named Sarah White, that's spelled W-I-G-H-T, the daughter of one of his church members, had come to his attention. The book relates her four years of spiritual and physical struggle, of which Jesse was often a first-hand witness. In fact, most of the book is written from the notes that Jesse took as an eyewitness to the events and words relating to Sarah. It was in April of 1647 that Christ saved her in a surprising manner, and she was then enabled to help others with similar struggles. The book was quite popular in the late 1640s and 1650s. The book went through multiple editions and printings. My copy is the sixth edition from 1652. Many more were to follow. But in summary, in modern terms, the book is the wonderful and dramatic story of a teenage girl's conversion. Sarah was the daughter of Mrs. Mary White, a widow who lived in London just a few blocks from the north end of the London Bridge. With her first husband, Mary had a son who was later to become a minister. 
From a second marriage, she had a daughter, Sarah, the subject of this book, but then was widowed again. Mary struggled with spiritual depression for some years, but through the ministry of Jesse was given what he called refreshings in your soul from God. Through ministering to Mary, Jesse came to know about her young daughter, Sarah. She had a good education, being, quote, well-trained up in the scriptures by her godly, faithful grandmother. At the time her mother was converted, Sarah, quote, gave herself much to read and study the scriptures. Her typical daily diet of the Bible was 20 chapters. Her mother often frequently took her to hear sermons, not just on the Lord's Day, but during the week. Sarah didn't then savingly understand what she read or heard, but later the Holy Spirit was to bring this content back to her mind, joined with spiritual insight. When she was 11, Sarah began to suffer violent temptations, as she called them. The sins that follow may seem insignificant to us, but that is likely due to our own lack of sensitivity to the evil any sin is against God. One day she had been out and lost her hood. When her mother asked her for it, she quickly answered, My grandmother has it. She was instantly condemned in her heart, and her conscience pronounced her both a thief and a liar. Combined with other sins, she began to experience what were called occasions of deep despair. And for several years, Sarah was terrified that she was shut out of heaven and would be damned. Over time, she came to believe that there was no God, no devil, no heaven or hell, except the hell she experienced in her conscience. So she decided, quote, if she could but dispatch this life of hers, that is, commit suicide, her sorrows would end. It was from this that her many attempts at suicide and self-harm came about. She would often seek to beat out her eyes and brains, as Pastor Jesse says, by smashing her head against a wall until she was senseless. She tried to strangle, drown, and stab herself. She frequently cut herself with knives. Her mother, servants, and friends watched over her, but she would often escape them and try to end her own life. Now, God always foiled her attempts, and sometimes in striking ways. Once, as she was about to throw herself into the Thames, she was found out at the last moment and kept from harm. Many true pastors and Christian friends, and there is a long, long list of them in the book, tried to comfort her with the gospel in the years of her troubles. But she remained in grievous horror day and night, quote, concluding she was cast away, a reprobate, walking daily in the midst of fire and brimstone as one in hell already. This may strike us as an exaggeration of her situation and overly dramatic, but it was in fact her exact case. She was far from God, and not safely in Jesus Christ by faith. Countless prayers rose to heaven for her deliverance, but as the years of torment approached four, they worsened. She was so terrified that she could not sleep, and like Job, cursed the day of her birth. It was on April 6, 1647, that her mother obtained a Christian maid to help look after Sarah. 
When she first met her, she, quote, found her weeping most bitterly and wringing her hand, saying, I am a reprobate, a castaway. That night, she began to violently tremble and said that God would be justified in casting her into hell. She then was tempted to blaspheme God and die, but instead found that she couldn't speak. She became deaf and blind, and so was put to bed and stayed there for four days, taking only a little water. But then she began to speak at times, saying that God had comforted her. On that Saturday, she roused herself and through tears said, Ah, that Jesus Christ should come from the bosom of his Father. Who came he to die for? For sinners. Ah, the greatest sinners, the chiefest sinners. After a pause, she continued, There's a fountain open for sin and for uncleanness. Jesus Christ, he is this fountain, a filling fountain and never dry. Who is a God like to thee, pardoning sin, all sin, past sin, present and to come, not only pardoning sin, but passing by the transgression of his heritage? Before you receive a Christ glorified, you must receive a Christ crucified. And many more similar things. So as Pastor Jesse relates, The Lord opened her mouth to speak much comforting scripture. Jesse used a quaint phrase several times in his description of Sarah's conversion. He called it Christ's, quote, time of love. It was when the love of Christ was manifest to her and in her. It was when she was wed to Christ by faith. This was when the Spirit made Christ's eternal electing love the experience of this teenage girl. Her fears were removed, and to quote the title of the book, the exceeding riches of grace were advanced by the Spirit of grace to her. Now she occasionally had her voice and sight and hearing, and most of this was restored on April 19, about two weeks from when she began to be comforted. She seemed during this time to be in a sleepy state or trance or meditating prayer with God. She ate nothing. In the weeks following, she progressed physically a bit, taking broth and drink and slowly recovering, so that by mid-May she was noticeably improved. Yet she was still quite frail, and there were continuing effects from the damage done to her head from her attempts at self-harm. There is much more to this story, which, Lord willing, I'll bring to you in the next episode. But for now, let us praise God for his grace to every chief of sinners, that is, us. Thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace. (laughs) 